Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 193 of the Saturn Studs podcast, the first episode of this year's 90s month, and I am joined by my co-hosts Peter and Jake for such a wondrous day. We're here coming at you with the Music Taxonomy Conference Edition. Get you get you a difference between your corpophones and your idiophones. Learn them. That's or right. The sousaphone. What 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 uh <laughs> genus do they belong to? Or or uh, class? It depends on what classification system phone? you use. Is it based on the sound they produce or is it based on what they're made out of? This is I, this is an actual topic and a job that some people have is classifying all the different types of instruments and in music. So I remember uh, pianos being uh, percussion instruments instead of like keyboards because they had hammers that hit the strings. Most mm-hmm. most taxonomy uh, things that I I relate to is uh, what it looks like and uh, how I can classify it for what it looks like now for what it produces. Like for food taxonomy, like is a Jake s- is very big on separating things by appearance. Yes, I I think I think separating the. Yep. By by shape by, and, and by color. Uh, you said it. Color. Yeah. I mean, why not? If you bring it up, yeah, sure. We should separate things by color uh, because people of <laughs> No. Don't sell me the good name we- of food taxonomy. I've put a lot of time and thought into food taxonomy. Like, is a hot dog a sandwich? I believe we had this debate on air already. Yeah, this debate, and I agreed that you need a two-factor uh, double gradient system. It is a food folder, and it is a cousin <laughs> of the uh, taco. Okay, I'd so say it's, a, it's closer a folder to a taco sandwich than a sandwich. Jake. It's a folder of sandwich. <laughs> folder not a sandwich. If I put a edible. piece of roast beef in a manila envelope, is that a fucking sandwich? A bad one, but yeah, no, because it's a food folder. <laughs> you said it. It's a bad. It's a bad one. <laughs> Because you put food in it, so then I, I will classify it as a bad piece of food. Just a bad ingredient. Hey, you put a little wood shavings in your pasta, it doesn't mean it's not pasta. Hey, you put a little feet in your Burger King yeah. lettuce. It's still, still lettuce. lettuce. <laughs> it might be what you get at. No, I've, I've, I've spent uh, many hours at work wasting time uh, talking about food taxonomy, and it's one of my proudest moments in life. Uh, beyond so, graduating, I think no. that's that offers a uh, a commentary on your it life is. far more more damning What's, than any I could it's, offer. It's the small I, things in life that I appreciate, like food taxonomy. I, have, I have one question yeah, to ask course, you, Jake, as a as a professional food taxonomist. <laughs> um, at what point? What's the crossover between a rice grain and like a noodle? What's the aspect ratio you have to achieve before <laughs> one becomes the other? Because isn't rice just a very short noodle? I think it's the method of preparation. Um, I think... Like noodles are pulled. I think... And rice is just like But cut. you pull rice from the ground. It, that was weird because we were like... We were almost dissecting like food based on what it's made out of. Like, uh, so pasta and bread. Like there's both wheat in it. So is it like related in any way? And it is. And I'm like, sure someone's made pasta into a and loaf. Then, 
Well, they exist in the same food group. And then, and then you're, and then you're gonna say like, um, you can expand it a little bit more and say, all right, well, what, what is the difference between corn-based uh, stuff and like rice-based stuff and wheat-based stuff? So like, ah, the great checks debate. Does does <laughs> corn does corn tortillas make a different taco that's differently related than a normal like uh, flour-based taco? Yes. And if, so like, are they cousins? Are they how how related are they? Can they like, fuck? If they, I, like if they were to fuck, would they have if a my bad tacos baby? wanted to fuck? <laughs> would it be legal in states other than Mississippi? It's like, and I think that's a question we can all take away from this. Today. It's like the Finches. Uh, it was thanks for coming to my food talk. <laughs> it's like the it's like the Finches on the Galapagos Island. <laughs> They're yes. all different and just a small. You are way. you are definitely you are the you are the culinary Darwin. I of am the Darwin Jake. of the deli. I think food is evolved over I time. I am the Darwin of our delis. <laughs> I have been to the delis on the Galapagos. They do not have good corned beef. No, we gotta, we gotta be in honor of our of our uh, movie today. I'm the Darwin of the deli. I got knowledge in my belly. You just gotta rap really slowly because... So, the movie that we watched on Peter's behest, this is Peter's pick, was Kazam. Uh, a movie that I loved, then hated, and then loved all over again, greater than I loved it the first this time. Was, it was an adventure of the mind, truly. <laughs> this, this third act, this fucking third act was something else. <laughs> like... Was, oh my god! I'm just remembering it's, this scene. And like, like I was gonna like say this is where we're coming from, and just be like the nightclub scene. <laughs> like we're coming from the generic yes. nightclub that's in all the like the with, 90s with movies. no name. Like it has Blade. some Arabic name. Like Blade yes. and uh, Matrix. We're just in that nightclub. So, have you ever seen? Like I looked up on the IMDb because my Diane thought that the kid in this movie voiced young Simba. Uh, oh. He did not, but if you look at this kid now, all grown up, he became like a cholo. Oh God! <laughs> he's got a shaved head. He's got tattoos on his neck. What? Uh, is it Francis Francis Capra? Yes. Oh yes. Oh wow! <laughs> man, man made a change, oh, wow, but he still yeah. got the squint. He still got the squint and the. In the in the mouth, the lips. I think he took the the mouth. Mouth. Kester's dad. And he's been in a lot of shit. Look at all his TV he's, stuff. He's, he's done a in. lot of TV stuff, yeah. And you know, I was looking for his IMDb, and one curious thing I found is that he played uh, the same character in two different shows. He okay. played he played um Jesse Murphy. In two seasons of Heroes, and then he played Jesse Murphy on the TV show Sons of Anarchy. Oh, huh. okay. hmm. I don't know if that was just like they were watching an episode of Heroes on that show, and he happened to be in it, or what the deal was. But I found that interesting. <laughs> maybe he's like, maybe he just made a special request. I, I'll only do the role if I can be named Jesse Murphy. I'm trying to make that a thing. I'm, I'm trying to legally change my name to fine. that because I have warrants in like six states, and I kind of want to keep that on the down. They're like, fine, you're fine. You're, you're gonna die like halfway through, so it's you're not gonna have you're gonna have like two lines, dude. Fine. 
Jesse Murphy. Because he totally, when you look at him, he looks like a Murphy, obviously. He looks, I'm looking, I'm looking through the Google images and I want you all to take like a minute or two of your time and find the most Francis Capra face that you can. This is, I'm having too much fun with this. What was he in with De Niro? A Bronx Tale? Uh, he was a, he was like a kid in a Bronx Tale. He must have been like three years old when that movie was made. Uh, yeah, he's, he's pretty young. He's like maybe five or six. Yeah. He's not pooping his pants anymore. Let's be let's say that. I, I think I like that first one the best. Yeah. I think I, He was really inspired by Shaq and Kazam. He's like, I want to try to model my life after that, man. One more. <laughs> oh, my God. This one. Oh, oh boy. That eyebrow for all right. It's yeah. I think it's a for those at home, right? Because you know who, who can't see vi- any of this shit. Visual yeah. medium. Um, Come on, I, Shazam! I, I, I ask you to go look up Francis Capra on Google Images yourself and find contact your local Francis Capra and tell them what your favorite picture Guys, is. Guys, this is the the Francis the Francis Capra. Fuck me eyes. He's got yeah, it's, one, yeah. it's the eyebrows. Yeah. This one. Yeah. Where he's like, you know yeah. what's happening. I know what's happening. It's about to go Just down. Just pull down your pants and we'll get this yeah. over with. No, it'll be it'll be quick. Don't worry. You'll like it, probably. You'll like it for about three um, minutes. You won't finish. I will. That's not the point <laughs> though. <laughs> um, so anyway, we watched we got some trailers to talk Kazam. about. Kazam. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, after Which, after trailers and everything, there's the, yeah, there's a lot to discuss with Kazam. So uh, we, can, but we have we have yeah. a lot of other things we need to discuss and too. And I will call it Shazam. CES was this week, so there's a fair amount of gaming news, and of course regular trailers and the follow up and all that. So we'll start with uh, a student film that Peter somehow stumbled upon called Spy Intervention. <laughs> now we can't confirm or deny that it is actually made by a student, but the evidence is there. It has to be. There's no other way. There's no explanation for how it could be like this if it weren't made by a student. Like even the thumbnail looks fake. Huh. Like this yeah. looks like someone stole a student film and then slapped the thumbnail on it, cut it up a little bit differently, and called it well, a trailer. Well, some of the CGI looked like either stock stuff or like um like they uh actually put like a hot wheels helicopter on a string and dragged it across you know what they did they they contacted neil breen to do their vfx i wouldn't be surprised neil breen is known for his effects he have you seen fucking uh pass through uh (laughs) oh my god i that man was but i've seen that man was touching that tiger i saw it with my own Uh eyes it was like I was in. I was transported. <laughs> oh my god. It's like I was I just tiger. found Here's a poster for Spy Intervention where this is one of their big production advertisements where their eye lines aren't meeting. She's oh looking at his nose. Oh yeah, she's like that nose. <laughs> and there's a random blurry woman in the background. Sniff with that. Who's this woman in the background? It's the woman he's like has a fake uh, Mary or whatever. Yeah, so this is um, a rejected Austin Powers plot (laughs) where Austin has to uh, settle down in the suburbs 
I don't know. And, well, he wants it to. It sounds he more like to. a rejected Johnny English plot. <laughs> yeah. It, it went the rounds, and they're like, fine, we'll make our own comedy spy film. And they're yeah. like, no, don't it's do that. It's been in development hell. And then eventually, um, one of the professors at NYU's film school was talking about this and how it, it never picked up because he was like one of the people in the writer's room. And then one of his students uh, told their thre- friend who isn't in film school, he's like, yeah, I'll make that movie. <laughs> and we got uh, inspired eventually. <laughs> yeah, so the plot is generic and the details of the plot are even stupider. He's like, I'm going to work at a cardboard box factory. You make good money doing that. I just want to throw that out there. Oh, no doubt. But if you're in a movie, like that's that's like what you do as a joke of a joke. Yeah. It's like what you do in a fake trailer. He's like, I'm going to work at the cardboard box factory. My name is Joe, and I work in the button factory. Now, what a follow-up joke yep. to that should be is is them saying, like, no, it's, it's good pay and has very good benefits. Very competitive benefits. With someone with my my uh, lack of job history, you know, being a spy and all, it's it's one of the better jobs I could have hoped for. So, what are the jokes in this trailer? Let's uh, their ceiling falls down. There were jokes in this trailer. There were supposed to be. I thought that was conflict. I thought that was I was supposed to represent their the love of the marriage is falling apart. Yeah, <laughs> I thought this is so, a drama, not a comedy. Um. And the guy comes back and he's like, you have to have an affair to be a spy again. But uh, he actually fell in love. Plot twist. Well, that's never in, the, that's never in the trailer, is it? Or is it not? I know, but that's like you, the you obvious can see that coming. I, get, I bet yeah. you he's going to be like, or it's going to make him realize that he doesn't love his wife or he doesn't want that life anymore. And he wants to be I really spy. don't know what don't the, know. the moral of this story is going to be. Because like... The moral, like, I feel like there's a good moral message at the beginning where he's just like, I'm good. I don't want to be a spy anymore. I'm coming back. And also, I feel like, I don't know, this is, it's so, everything's so flimsy where I just want to question it. I just want to poke holes. I can't suspend my disbelief at all. Like, once you out a spy, you don't take them back. I mean, I watched seven seasons of fucking Burn Notice. He never got back in. (laughs) Yeah. Like, in... Like, if you quit voluntarily, too, like, just the fact that you've been out in as a public alias where people could take your picture, like, and you can just live a normal person life means that you're pretty, pretty fucking exposed. I don't know. Maybe they do take spies back. I'm not a spy. Looks around the room. Yeah, I was about to say <laughs> that you need to know about. So, oh, this was updated on my 25th birthday. Um... It's coming out February 14th, 2020. is directed by Drew Malaria. Oh, what a, what a great movie. <laughs> Drew Malaria? What a great movie to go see on Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day? Yeah. This is, well, it's this about is love. It's about- That's the director's name. He has directed, and stop me if you've heard of any of these, Arnold in the Alps from 2009, <laughs> Next Door from 2014, Quarters from 2010 is that the spy intervention is quarters no the 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 beer the beer game are they so okay let let me read to you his his illustrious imdb there are six director's credits 
Arnold in the Alps, which is a short. Quarters, which is a short. Lisa, which is a short. The Interrogation, which is a short. Next Door, which is a short. And then Spy Intervention, which apparently is a feature-length movie. Hey, I wow. mean, everybody's got to start somewhere. Why not start at the top? Um, they well, start, they no, were touting... Runtime 93 minutes on Spy Intervention. Um, let me see. They're, they're, oh, God damn it. I'm trying to find... They were trying to tout, like, someone who worked on fucking Salt was, like, in this. Probably one of the writers. Yeah, is produ- no, it's the producer. Oh, uh, so Sunil they just Prakash. got a guy to, guy to sign on to the... Um... <laughs> wait, wait, Ryan Johnson is producing this, too? <laughs> wait, is he? Ryan R. Johnson. Uh, maybe, n- wait, maybe this is a different Ryan Johnson. And it's gotta be a different Ryan Johnson. The Ryan Johnson. Oh, yeah, no, it's R-Y-A-N. Oh, yeah. Not okay. R, not Rain. <laughs> not Rain, yeah. It's not Rain. Rain. It's the other Ryan Johnson. Uh, known uh, for uh, known for The Curse of El Charro, Chasing 3000, The Heart is Deceitful, American Dresser, and The Nickel Children. <laughs> Oh dear! All of those. Sound I want to find out what the nickel children are. Um. So the writers of this film have uh, also they've acted and stuff, but their writing credits include uh, one of their writers, Mark Famigletti, wrote the Divorce Party, All for Love, which was a TV movie, and The Life of Ricky, and Lane Garrison wrote. Twelve Mighty Orphans, which is in post-production, Spy Intervention, and The Divorce Party. So they, the the writers that brought you The Divorce Party have reunited for Spy Intervention. And Just, uh, for context, The Divorce Party has a 5.0 out of 10 on IMDb. I'm looking at just. It I also we came it, into a world of awful cinema. I've never, That's came, all I'm saying. I've never heard of a list of movies out. that I haven't like ever heard of. This is interesting because the Divorce Party also released Valentine's Day of last year. So this is their modus operandi. They get together, they shit out a script that has you know fucking a loose love theme, and they release the movie on Valentine's Day. This Direct to be. video, I'm sure. This is I I don't know where we are. I, There's no I feel like I'm drunk again. I, I just got over my my drinking from last night. There is no reviews on Rotten Tomatoes for the divorce party. Wait, what is what is what is that? It's hundred percent fresh. <laughs> it's Schrodinger's movie. It's both a hundred and zero percent fresh at the same time. <laughs> I saw um who is this guy? I'm trying to find it, but they don't even have the the goddamn picture. It's look up against the clock. Against it's the a 2019 clock. thriller. Came out in January. Oh fuck you! It's January. It looks like uh, not oh Alfred Molina, right? Kind of looks a little bit like fucking. Jake Gyllenhaal if he fell on hard times. Hard yeah, hard he's got like weird, weird eyes. I just, 
I mean, I, I feel like we've wandered into a back yeah. alley. All right, let's let's of of film here. Let's swing around Stop and talk to about. Sell me a, some uh, fucking cocaine, Peter. Out of your <laughs> trench coat. This is not cinematic cocaine. I will. Um, I can tell you, you that. Cut it with yeah. uh, baking soda. I'm not pleased. That's crack cocaine. Yeah. It's a bad. You um, said it was cocaine, and it being crack cocaine. This is crack cocaine. Oh my god. And this that, okay. is Birds of Prey, trailer two. Uh, um, so got yeah. Birds of Speaking of crack cocaine, uh, this movie Harley Quinn hides behind a bunch of it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's it's here's my problem with this movie. Um, is just that, one? Yeah, just one, and it, it's gonna encompass the entire movie. Is that I am going to constantly compare this to the DC animated show, which was. Yeah. Which is probably going to be ten times better than this, and this is Much gonna this is gonna try to be like that, and it's not gonna work. Yeah, I did notice the the thematic dif- uh, similarities between the two, and I was thinking to myself that I much prefer the girl in the the DC animated show uh, to Margot Robbie at least voice wise mm-hmm. for uh, this sort of tone. That's Kaylee Cuoco. Yeah. She's the she's yeah, the she's... girl in Big Bang Theory. Yeah, I, I know who she is. She's I just Penny. don't remember she's her. She's Penny from the Big Bang yet. Theory. Yes. She lives across from the main characters. Yes, I I'm, I watched that show for its first five seasons, and I was like, this is the same joke. I'm I'm yeah. done. <laughs> Kaylee Cuoco. Um, thank you. In case you haven't. Um, <laughs> she played Penny. <laughs> gotcha. Um, but yeah, this movie just looks like. It would be better served as an animated movie because the what they're trying to do with like the the over the top zaniness is not translating well to live action, and this was just something to give Margot Robbie to do because she signed an X number of films contract and Suicide Squad didn't take off the way they wanted to, and uh, we gotta give her something. Yeah, Ewan McGregor, Ewan McGregor, he's here. He's here, and he's not wearing the black mask because he's handsome. And we gotta tell the movie. Why? They can't they can't pull a Mandalorian where we're just like we'll just have his helmet on the entire time, except or like for the one Dread. Time. Yeah. Well, at least Dread had didn't his, know his, that his mouth, was... mouth movement, his, his mouth, his mouth, mouth, his mouth. Um. Yeah. So, the, like, yeah, just this this whole trailer is, uh, you know, they're trying to do the bright, colorful, uh, stuff. But like they still have like the same DC cinematic universe color grading of like bleach bypass. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a really stark juxtaposition, which and some, if it works, you know, it's like oh what a bold artistic move. But if it doesn't, which I for me personally it doesn't work, I'm like wow this is just really hard to watch. Yeah. Um, yep. And like. The the characters they're trying to put in here, like the girl who's supposed to be Huntress, I think. I'm just like no. And uh, <laughs> none of them looked interesting. Not none of them. None of them looked like they were gonna have a good role. Like uh, nobody's. Yeah. Uh, somebody's gonna try to play like the straight woman uh, to Harley's. I mean the cop. Yeah, I, probably. The cop, I would hope, would be the one. But then the other the other ones were just they seemed humorless. We have Black Canary, Huntress. Uh, I don't Wait, know. Black Canary was supposed to be in there. Yeah, they. <laughs> you, you, you saw her canary cry. She breaks glasses and like they f- 
shockwaves people over. They flashed all their names. Shows you how much I paid attention to this trailer. Yeah, let me see if I can get him again. You, did you also notice uh, Margot slipping into her Australian accent yeah. in the opening narration? Yes, I did. Um, and they like roll with like I'm just rewatching some of these clips. Oh, yeah. oh my god, that's supposed to be Black Canary. I didn't even make the connection because <laughs> she looks nothing like Black Canary. I think she's a darker skinned like. Brazilian woman with dark hair. <laughs> I know. My Justice League Unlimited portrayal has been betrayed. Breaking. My everything portrayal has been betrayed. <laughs> and then they have a terribly CGI hyena in a bathtub. And he goes, ha And he's like, I named it Bruce after that hunky Wayne fella. So we have we have Black Canary, Renee Montoya, Cassandra Kane. Was that? I really wanted you to say Renee Zellweger. No. Wait. Cassandra Kane. Yeah, I think that was Cassandra Kane. Speaking yeah. of Cassandra Kane, I have a a uh, a announcement to make of a forthcoming video to oh. our YouTube channel. Oh, oh. Uh, Diane and I ventured to watch an episode of the Batwoman television series, Uh-oh. and uh, we would take shots of Blue Curacao because I knew we would die if we did anything else. Tequila. Um. Uh, I, like for every like unbelievably stupid thing that we saw and uh we went through almost an entire 750 milliliter bottle of blues carousel and one 40 minute episode of batwoman so the highlights of that will be edited and uploaded to the youtube channel at some point so it's good yes please (laughs) the show is good yeah, so that's the show they're, they're, is not. And I, I don't really know a whole lot of them. I don't know who Cassandra Kane or Renee Montoya. That's Batwoman. Oh, okay. Renee Montoya was. Um, yeah, she's the cop. She was in. Uh, she was a. She was in the Dark Knight. Uh, she had like a bit role. Uh, okay. It was more like a name that comic book yes, yeah. people would would recognize. Yeah, yeah. And she had a larger role as. a as a cop that worked closely with Batman in the animated series, the Batman. I remember that, which featured I... the bat wave. What? You don't, don't remember, remember the that. bat wave. It was like his indicator for danger. Cause the bat signal was too old school. So all that would happen oh. is it would, it was the Batman logo would fill with like different colored bars from center out and to represent danger. Yep. I, re- I remember that now. I remember the Joker as he was wearing those stripy, that stripy straight jacket. Yeah. Um, I also remember the Martian Manhunter in this uh, series. Do you remember how they portrayed him? I don't. Let me show you a picture. I remember how they portrayed Clayface, which was his, the other cop buddy of, um, oh my God. Oh, yeah, well, that, that I mean, that's in line with their animation style. Yes. But, um. His other cop buddy that worked with Montoya became Clayface instead of the actor, like, you know, in every comic ever. Um, mm. So that was interesting. Uh, no Ron Perlman either. And then they did a spinoff movie where Batman fought Dracula. Uh, this is a real thing. You can yeah, look mm-hmm. it up. Yeah. I I feel like they've done that a few times. Um, it was the only one I, I remember. But, yeah, this... This movie does not look good. I, I said it's the first trailer, and I'm I'm doubling down now. I do not 
think this movie would be very good. And I think just trying to fit the birds of prey in here, which is of all of DC's like superhero teams, one of the lesser known ones. Um, when this could have and should have just been a, a fucking Harley Quinn solo movie. Is gonna try, I think that's going to backfire I, quite I want to take in a, a remake of uh, Suicide Squad. A little too They're still going to do that. Yeah. Instead of this, though. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, because, like, they didn't really set that universe up real well. No, they did not. They did not do anything in that movie particularly well, except makeup, apparently, because they won an Oscar for that. Academy Award-winning film, Suicide Squad. Hell yeah. Academy Award-winning. Gotta always count it. Speaking of hell, New Mutants. This was a... uh, Not what I expected. In a good way or a bad way? Um, I don't know yet. Yeah, it it uh, means a lot to me. I was not expecting, like... it's, It's shot. The trailer is shot and edited like it's a horror movie. Yeah, no, it, it looks... Like it's some fucking Saw or Asylum horror movie, uh, but they're superheroes, so they, they can fight back and, and uh, save themselves. And, like, it just was not what I expected at, at all, really. Well, I guess that's what you want out of a trailer. And Doctor Strange 2 is like, we were supposed to be the first ones to do horror in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> <laughs> nope. But they they fired their director, or they let him go, I didn't even or he that. left, or something. I I don't even know if Doctor Strange is going to be that horror based. They well, said Lovecraftian said... horror in yeah, their okay. presentation. Feige also didn't want it to be a straight up horror movie because they're like, it's still well, got to be superheroes. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's. I mean, their primary audience is kids. So, yeah, like me. Nah. I don't know. Most people I'm I talk to are boy. adults, and they they watch it. I mean, really? You as an adult talk more? Yeah, I, talk, I mean, I talk to a lot. Of ever adults. since they banned you from that school zone, obviously you're going to yeah, talk exactly. to more adults. Yeah, we know I can't talk to our kids anymore. <laughs> can't be around them. Come back to me, Johnny. It's really bogus. We're trying to fight in court. It, 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 I, it, yeah, Jake, you know, he pulled up in his van with some candy and is like, hey, kids, I'm conducting a survey. It was the day after Halloween. F- and like there were really what you thought deal. about the next, uh, the most recent Marvel movie. Would you like to answer some questions in my van? I have some candy for your time. And I also thought that if I could buy like really cheap Halloween candy after Halloween and like flip it for maybe like a couple dollars, uh, like a, a bag. Maybe it would, uh, you know, supplement my income a little bit. But I invested I ten thousand dollars in Halloween candy, and now <laughs> I'm just screwed. I'm ruined because I've been eating I'm... just Halloween candy for the past. <laughs> I've been living off that shit for the past eight years. Uh... That sounds like a fucking. Uh... That sounds like the Clue Master from the Batman. Look, let's just say I'm I'm on I'm on lists ever since last night. <laughs> I guys name on the list. So <laughs> side side note, um, so my friend had some really good tea about somebody who I went to high school with, who checked themselves into a rehab facility for uh, possession and distribution of child pornography. 
which is awful, but I'm really curious who it was. And uh, I then some theories. I then no, I I don't have anything. I then Googled uh, like Buffalo, New York, or Clarence, New York, child pornography, and I'm like, this probably isn't a good (laughs) search result to be in my history. And sign, cool thing. Google the first search result that comes up is uh, child pornography. It's illegal. If you see it, report it. And then uh, the rest were just uh, ads for uh, or uh, websites that ads for child, child pornography. pornography in the Buffalo or Clarence. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I was looking for news articles uh, for anything that was maybe reported, but I think they never got caught. So since they checked themselves in, uh, there's no there's no like uh, like police report. Police report, right? So I did find uh, other names of pedophiles and people like that uh, in my in my hometown area, but uh, nobody that was under the age of like forty. Where, where did you rank on the list? I'm just curious. I I was I was way down low. They. We paid a couple people, had the name changed, and uh, <laughs> the picture looks a lot different. Let's just say. So. It was before he got his nose job. Yeah. I got a new haircut. I grew a beard. I'll give her her old nose back. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, but yeah, no that that was. Uh, we're still waiting on the name. I I'm really curious as to who it was. Uh, because there are some interesting people in my graduating class that. Welcome to Jake talks about his graduating class, a theme. Yeah, I was gonna say so many and of you relate to Harley Quinn review. <laughs> yeah, that's Birds of Prey. I'm on FBI pedophilia <laughs> and <laughs> and child pornography. All right, uh, follow up time. First week of weekend of January, I should say. Um, to the surprise of few, Rise of Skywalker still. Holding down the top spot, but only just. It's down to $34 million uh, gross this week. Uh, barely edging out Jumanji, which sits in at $26 million. Uh, Rise of Skywalker, in some total, has yet to make the billion dollars. Has yet to make the billion dollars. Has yet to make the billion dollars. $467 million domestic, 489 international. Underground, um, nine fifty six <laughs> worldwide. Thank you. Someone got my Outcast reference. <laughs> yeah. um, I heard you. And uh, yeah, so like below what Last Jedi made domestically, well below what Last Jedi made internationally, and losing momentum. Uh, I think this might be the worst performer of the sequel trilogy. Yeah. So it's got four hundred thousand, four hundred million. Sorry to play with, uh, in terms of that, but mm-hmm. yeah. So I think I think last week we had, uh, I don't know if we talked about the Reddit post that was leaked or not. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast. I don't think we did, there but was, yeah, I heard all about this. There was a Reddit. There was a Reddit post uh, that was scene. from somebody. It, it's all. It's a lot of hearsay is in secondhand information because the person themselves didn't go directly to Reddit. They went through another person who then posted their accounts uh, from it. So it's like, oh yeah, I know somebody who worked closely uh, or worked high up in the production of uh, The Rise of Skywalker. So basically what they said was the release that got cut, that 
got put out was not the release that um, JJ wanted or that JJ expected. Uh, there was a lot of things that were cut and uh, specifically cut for time and for the Chinese audience. Um, one of the oh, because thi- this movie did so well in China. Well, yeah, and I don't know why. Like, it, So some of the things are contradictory. Like, they didn't want a lot of ghosts. So I think one of the biggest scenes um, that they cut was the ending scene was supposed to be uh, Ray surrounded by force ghosts because they have account information of all the actors who spoke those lines were actually on set in costume and they have footage of them oh, no. surrounding surrounding uh, Ray. And it was supposed to be like all the Jedi... Uh, Save it for a director's cut. Exactly. I don't know if that makes that scene better or worse. No, yeah, this, that's what I'm hearing is like the stuff that J.J. wanted back in are not the things that were problematic with the film. But they want to add more shit into the Rise of Skywalker. But the thing is, the movie yeah. was already too long. No, J.J. wanted it three hours, and I, I, I think that's probably the better <laughs> move. Because I understand what J.J. wanted, Jake, but no, I'm saying I, that I, as a consumer, would not have wanted I that. I think that would have been better. That would have fleshed out the beginning more, and I think that's like a lot of... like That's one of the things that that beginning rush scene that everybody had so like uh, such an issue with like we didn't know what planet it was we didn't know anything about it um that was so supposed to be cut it out of the movie and let that was supposed no, like, to be like I, like i think jake makes a good point 20 minutes long longer not 20 minutes long it was a little bit longer a lot of it longer to the point where you uh see the uh like the perspective of where uh, kylo ren is right now and he's He's trying to track down this uh, Palpatine. It fleshes it out a little bit more. Instead of it being so fast-paced, rushed, and jumbly as it was, it was it was really bad. And um, and even the order of events, I think, was supposed to be a little bit different too. If he'd gotten his way, um, where just it would have flowed better. Um, and from what I heard or from what I read, uh, Disney took a big uh role in uh moving things around and saying yes and no on a lot of things because they thought it would be more consumer friendly and um like they wanted to say no to babu frick but jj i don't even jj abrams a second to remember who babu frick was but like everybody loved him i have zero feelings i I know uh, who he is but i have zero like feelings toward Babu Frick. If he were not in the movie, I wouldn't have cared. But like they were, they were saying he was going to be another Jar Jar Binks and he wasn't. So anyways, this leads me to my, the, I think the point that will actually matter to us because it's just rumors and speculation at this point. Uh, There was a, a source that was, this is from a direct source who has more, um, I think uh, merit behind what they're saying is that, Disney saw how that that the second release of Endgame worked a little bit, and oh. they're going to release an extended cut of The Rise of Skywalker, which will include some of the things that J.J. wanted. In theaters. In theaters. Uh, oh, late late here, January or something, maybe, maybe mid-February. So a re-release of The Rise of Skywalker um, on top of a digital uh, director's cut on top of... 
a uh, eventual Disney Plus release that has bonus footage? I don't know. That's it's a uh, lot of yeah, different versions of I don't, like, of I don't like where we are in movies now, I don't think. If this is going to be what happens where they just can just re-release the same theat- like a, the theatrical title movie five different times into the theaters, I'm not going to go yeah. watch that shit. Like, I will buy, I have bought and will continue to buy director's cuts of certain movies that I either know or improved or think would be improved. Like Batman vs. Like, Superman? No, not like Batman vs. Superman. Like the Daredevil. Fuck are you even here? And like no, and like uh, Terminator. Not the director's cut. Yeah. I will agree. The theatrical release was terrible. The director's cut is actually pretty Look, fucking good. I haven't even seen the director's cut. I already know. It's yes, bad. you have. You fell asleep during yeah, it because you know, drank too much. So bad. <laughs> um. And uh, like you know, I've seen eight different versions of Terminator Two at this point. It feels like, and um, but like in the theater over and over again. Like, I didn't see the extended version of Endgame, and I probably won't see any future releases of Rise of Skywalker because I didn't particularly care for the movie, and I don't think you can really do a lot unless you're taking stuff out, That's in my opinion, that's to thing, improve is, the movie. Is they got, they, got to, they got to put something worthwhile in it. They can't just throw in... Like I saw the uh, director's cut of Midsummer, and that had I think like twenty or thirty minutes of bonus footage. The Endgame one I think only had like two or three minutes of bonus stuff. Like it wasn't that much extra that they added in. And I heard a lot of it was like unfinished PS2 yeah. era visual. Yeah, effects. it was all unfinished. Like the the Hulk scene, the added scene they put in was the Hulk, and it was like. They never finish the CGI because they're like, well, this isn't going to go in the actual cut, so we won't polish it up. And I heard it was like, it was funny. It was like laughable. Um, yeah. But I, I, I agree with Peter. I don't like where movies are headed to the point where it's like, so we're going to get like DLCs from movies? Like, how are we supposed to judge a movie uh, when we know there are different things for it? Yeah. However, especially because, well, let me let okay. me add on yeah. to that before you get to your yeah. however, um, because as we, as we all know, the natural extension of this is going to be they will intentionally release a movie that is not like full completeness they, so that they can re-release it to more money with extra scenes and stuff. And we'll just get a movie version of AAA game design. I have a feeling that that would really backfire on them. Because they can maybe do that once or twice with some really big movies. But if they start to do that more and more, theater attendance and theater business is already in decline. And already struggling to come up with ways to increase their business. That's why we have things like AMC Stubbs A-List and whatever Regal uh, subscription thing is. And why MoviePass was so successful. Mm-hmm. Because the cost of seeing a movie in theaters is rather high compared to, like, you know, a month of Netflix or Disney Plus or something like that. Where you're like, and like video, they get turned around so quickly. Like, it took two years for Jurassic Park to wind up on home video, but it takes all of like three months for a movie to wind up on home video now. So people are like, oh, yeah, I can wait. Yeah. And so they just wait it out. And if they do this bullshit, it's going to give them more incentive to just wait for the final version of the movie to arrive on their streaming service of choice. And it'll kill their movie business, which will eventually hurt their bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. It's, it's, 
Blake Diels is. However, so I want I want to I want to get to my counterpoint to that is I can see the positives in this. So it would help a move help and help a studio. Uh, I mean, it might be also a cop out. Figure out what's bad with the movie, and then release. But that's it. what test audiences are for. I know, but sometimes I've heard Disney doesn't like to use a lot of test audiences. I, didn't they not use one on the Rise well, of Skywalker? That's, that's that's their like it issue. Was, it was because too, it costs a lot less money to use a test audience yeah. than it does to roll something out in the theaters. I think, I think was it was it Endgame or was it uh, Star Wars that they didn't use test audiences because they. We're concerned about leaks or something I like that. I thought they were concerned about spoilers for Endgame, so they didn't use a test yeah. audience. Um, I, I, I'm i just thinking about like some dystopian like Black Mirror future. Uh, that's it's, It wouldn't be that awful, but it would be pretty awful. It's like movies as a live service. Because like, also, you said test audiences, and that sparked my imagination. If they do, like, if they ever normalized the re-releasing of movies with more content at later dates. Um, I, I think about that, think about test audiences, the way trailers are produced and the way that movies, some independent movies roll out to like small amounts of theaters and then large amounts of theaters. And I'm imagining movies as a live service where <laughs> your movie, your quote movie watching experience is now not just going to a theater. It is six months of the trailer and the trailer plus and the third trailer and the international trailer. Yeah. Then you go see you go to the theater to see your movie snippet and then you go see the chapter one of the movie and then you go see the whole movie and then you see the advanced movie and then the director's cut and you're just like there's it's just DLC and move like we got a new scene pack out. Come see this week's scene pack. Like just some fucking absurd ass universe where, like the the new Superman movie, they'll just recut the they'll recut it with the final fight to be the villain of the week. Yeah, and you go see Superman Rise of Krypton, but it's Superman versus Doomsday, and the next week it's Superman versus the Toy Man. <laughs> it's Superman, the same fucking yeah. movie, but they change out like the. Uh, I, I could see I could see there being like um an interactive part of the end of movies eventually, and like surveys almost of like it would be so simple add a touch screen to like wherever you go sit down like a, a amc and they're like how did you no, do it on your phone or, yeah, the app. How, on, your, on phone your phone or, yeah. or on a tablet and they have that on the app they ask you like what you felt thought about the movie after you see it when i open my amc app they're like i watched knives out last um uh sunday and they're like what'd you think next time i open my app but they're like what'd you think of knives out and i'm like it was good i liked it and then they're like, okay. And then they use that data for something. Well, yeah. Based on I'm, like the movies I watch, they're like, okay, here's the profile of this insane person who watches all these movies that don't make any sense. I'm I'm almost I'm almost thinking like they could have have a, a second stage of test audience where the full release is a, a secondary test audience to where they ask people to say, oh, how do you like this fight scene or. How did you like the decision that they made? Specific parts of the movie that maybe they were they may like predict that are controversial, and then take that data back and then be like, okay, well, we found that eighty percent of the audience really didn't like the way we handled this. Let's and edit that's it. That's how you get. That's how you get Spider-Man Three. <laughs> I don't oh, know. God, I'm it's, dead serious. That like it's 
like when you do movies by committee like that, like I've I've read both of Bruce Campbell's books and like uh, they did a movie called Crime Wave and uh, like a scene that they really liked and really wanted to keep in there because it established the character, the main bad guy and like created a situation where uh, you felt uncomfortable when he was on screen. The uh, studio wanted cut because in the test audiences, the audience said that that scene made them uncomfortable. And, you know, Bruce's commentary in the book is like, well, yeah, that was the point. Yeah, yeah. So you like the reason Spider-Man 3 was such a hot mess is because the studio is like, oh, we want X, Y and Z. And then the director's like, oh, we want this and that. And then, you know, other the test audiences are like, well, we didn't like this, but we like this. And we were expecting more of this, and then you wound up with the fucking, you know, fucking just mess that that movie was. I thought it was based off that uh, one episode of the Spider-Man animated series in 94. The Venom one. I'm going to... Where he rings the bell and the Venom ball falls. Well, no, that's in the comics. Yeah. Like, that's an iconic thing in the comics. And, like, if they had done a movie where it was just Venom or, like, they had done the rise of Venom in this movie with Venom as the, like, main character, main yeah. villain in Spider-Man 4, I think that would have worked fine. That would have worked great. But instead, they tried to fit the Sandman and then the new Goblin and then Venom all in the same movie. And people were like, what the fuck's going on? Why is Peter Parker emo? Why is he dancing? He was like that in the show. He was... He wasn't I was, dancing. I was watching the show and I was like, "Damn, this is Spider-Man three, like verbatim." It's it's almost like it's a pivotal plot point in the comics. Uh, a- um, yeah. A- so we were talking about the, the follow-up. Uh, Jumanji was in second. <laughs> uh, Little Woman was in third. Uh, up from last week, thirteen million dollars. Uh, Frozen two bumps up to uh, I'm sorry falls down to fourth uh as it leaves more theaters but still good for 11 million the grudge Sam Raimi produced the grudge just talk about that man yeah um open with 11 million dollars good enough for fifth place um production budget of 10 million so already made that money back boom we win um domestic 15 million to date another five Point eight million international, which leaves you with twenty one million worldwide. Not a bad weekend. Um, Spies in disguise is down to sixth, and uh, that made another ten point three million dollars, <sighs> and has made ninety two million worldwide. And also happens to be our focus picture for this this week's Yay. episode of the follow up. You mean it wasn't Rise of Skywalker? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. We already did an 80-minute review of Rise of Skywalker. Uh, 76% on Rotten Tomatoes, 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, 4 out of 5 on Common Sense Media, and 54 on Metacritic. So, actually, a pretty positively reviewed movie. <laughs> Why is it doing well? It looked awful. Um, so, well, let's, let's check out some user reviews on IMDb. All right. We'll sort by helpfulness at first, and then we'll go looking for specific star ratings. Uh, 8 out of 10. Just watched it with the kids, and we loved it. Just out of the cinema, dash. My two kids and I laughed a lot, period. Scenario is not complex, but it is a kid's movie. Don't forget, winky emoji. 
I find it refreshing to have an action comedy as a cartoon. 18 out of 18 people found this helpful. Nice. Um, 7 nice. out of 10. Surprised. Okay, so I'm very into animation and everything and his history behind studios. I went to this movie with low expectations. Blue Sky was always just kind of there. My family never went to see any of their movies in theaters. It's Christmas, and we went with a cute kids movie because we were seeing it with grandparents. I was blown away. Just a period, no exclamation point. So clearly you weren't that you blown away. You punctuation away. Uh, yes, it's kind of a predictable plot, but it has a nice spin on it. I like the emphasis on how violence isn't always the option. The option, not... The option. Yeah. And how the movie delivered it in a non-cheesy way. Tom Holland and Will Smith worked great together. I laughed a lot. Animation was colorful and fluid, and I was surprised how much action was in this movie. I liked how it was an original idea and not just another sequel. Walked out happy, had a great time, fun to see with the family. Oh, there's the exclamation point. Uh, Yeah, boom all to the end of the comment. 38 out of 41 found that helpful. Yeah. All right, well, that's enough of the positivity. Let's see why this movie sucks. Get out on it, this family-friendly There are only two one-star reviews. Wow. Oh, then these have half, they have to be gems. And zero people found either one helpful. I I don't know. I would find this helpful, I feel like. Out of Touch Moonbat <laughs> by Umbratus. Oh, no. Oh, no. This might go very badly. What's it's a, a moonbat, moon not moon cricket. What's a moonbat? Uh, <laughs> this, pro- think- this is probably the greatest role Will Smith has ever achieved in his career. The movie is visually stunning. Will Smith's performance is certainly worthy of an Oscar. This is certainly the acme of Will Smith's acting. Well, that was Did very positive. Did any of you get anything out of that? <laughs> that was a very positive uh, review, actually. What? He forgot his sarcasm thought. Did they, did they forget to put 10 on 10? <laughs> but what is the acme of Will Smith? Like the grocery yeah, store? Yeah, acme is the best. That's the Acme is the best. That's why Acme products like because we're the best. I've never heard it used there like that before, but I believe you. Yes. A person with extreme uh, left wing pol- political views. Was this a wing joke? Was was this because he he's a bird? Out of touch moon is he the out of touch moon bat? The person who reviewed this. I I thought I I, just, I thought it was going to be something racist. Of course you did. You were hoping for it. I saw the joy in your eyes. I was concerned. Well, I well, yeah, I was kind of happy because I wanted to <laughs> add that to my repertoire of uh, racial slurs. One uh, out of ten by Dave Stroud dash seven six zero three six. So I guess there were seven six zero three five Dave Strouds before him. Um, save your money. Take your kids out for ice cream. Great for raising your liberal-minded children. (laughs) The quote, bad guy, kills multiple people on a whim, but the movie teaches that it would be wrong to put him down. What a wonderful, sensible lesson. We can't even put him down because fighting fire with fire just gets everyone burned, all in quotes. Yes. Will Smith's character has a different take on the situation, but his view is always shown in a very negative light, as if it's not just different, but entirely wrong. 
This movie is full of rather annoying, cool, quotes, pop culture cliches. There's too much of it, even for a kid's movie. This movie makes casual humor of private parts. I'm not sure why they're teaching young children <laughs> that nudity is something to be laughed at. It's something that deserves more respect and maturity. It's disappointing nah. that the movie had nothing to offer for adults. We still have to sit through the movie, too, you know. I enjoyed The Incredibles, but not this. Zero out of one people found that helpful. Oh, my God. Whew. That was Dave. everything I could have fucking hoped for. Oh, that that was that was a that's a boomer review. Thanks for thanks to coming to boomer reviews. Um, thanks, Linda. He, they so, talked about their penis. I um, think that was a penis joke. No, it's because I know it was the I know the exact joke they're talking about, and it was when Will Smith turns into a pigeon. He's like, I don't have I don't have pants on. Oh man, I'm a bird, and birds don't wear clothes. No, he looked at he that pulled down the, his little pigeon pants. He's like, ah! Oh yeah, that's what it was. Um, he is pigeon pigeon pants. Yeah, there's no when he slow when he starts to turn to a yeah. pigeon. He's like, my, my, I got like talon feet. I got a beak, and then he looks in his pants, and he's like, ah! Birds have dicks. Three out yes. of ten. They yeah, obviously they're fucking... no. They spin around like a fucking sponge <laughs> on a bucket, and they just spill their spooge all over the place. You thought there was poop on you, your windshield? Well, I know all about duck dicks. I mean, that's my like major. But... Ducks are birds. Duck dicks. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Darkwing duck dicks. <laughs> the D doesn't stand for danger. No, it does not. Duck dicks. <laughs> My disappointment is immeasurable. <laughs> I fucking killed Jake. Three out of ten. Yes. <laughs> Bye, Chris Petty. Screw. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fucking Woody Woodpecker laugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> judging by the trailer, I thought this movie was about Lance, who is an amazing <laughs> character with tons of one-liners, a parody of common heroes, so adults would enjoy it as well. I hope that Walter would be funny sidekick. Oh, a funny sidekick with some weird ideas. Lance was really underwhelming. The movie tried super hard to put him into action, but he couldn't do anything. Him being a pigeon, misspelled, was supposed to be an upgrade as he could become invisible. All those uh, words I emphasized were in quotes. And he acts like that once or twice in the entire movie. Walter was super cringe. His creations, instead of helping, just ruined everything for Lance. After all, the pain Walter comes in and accidentally... And after all the pain, Walter comes in and accidentally deals with everything in five seconds. That's probably the dumbest way to make action. So they went to the uh, Rise of Skywalker school of screenwriting, I see. Uh, As for the jokes and lines aimed at adults, I remember only one occasion where it was trying... No more than a sick joke. The story had a huge mistake. It had no villain. The villain was just sitting on a chair on his island the whole movie. He had no motivation but a fail from a long time ago, which the movie never explains. One out of one found that helpful. And now let's swing the pendulum around to a 10-star review. Oh, boy. This this first one just instantly catches your eye. 10 out of 10. Perfect movie for all generations. You will love it. Science, friendship, jokes, stunts in an animated movie, good graphic, and creativity makes it makes it to be the best movie to watch. 
Oh, they didn't put an Oxford comma in there. Ugh. Bastards. Fun family movie. 10 out of 10. My family very much enjoyed this movie. It had us laughing a lot. Five out of okay. five out of eight. One yeah. One one last one. This is the last one, but like this title just by toothless alpha mode. Ten out of ten. <laughs> just as I expected, Colin. Amazing. I knew this movie had lots of potential, comma, and I was right, period. I saw this movie today in theaters, and it surprised me more than I thought it would, period. The plot and story was okay, comma, nothing too special, comma, but it still exceeded my expectations. Wow. I wish I lived your life, man. Period. The moral or lesson of this movie is different from most animated kids' films because it jumps into something way deeper than other movies. This movie talks about violence and murder, and basically using it to solve a conflict may only lead to bigger and more serious conflicts. The villain, comma, for example, comma, Killian, comma, that's that's not how you do it in a positive. I won't spoil the movie, comma, what the fuck is the sentence? Holy He's just he's it's it's really like fucking uh what what's the what's the term where a you're run just on from, the, from the No, stream of consciousness. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Except he wanted, he he's like, I want to do stream of consciousness, but I know that sounds like insane person, so I'll just put commas. I wanna in appear as if I know what grammar is. But he has a really dark backstory. Period. Because of something Lance did, comma. Killian has just this whole plot to take revenge on him, period. The animation was good, comma. Nothing too exciting about it. What the fuck? Uh, nothing too exciting about that, period. The movie was kind of slow start. Kind of a slow start, comma. But when you get past, like, comma, 45 minutes, comma, that's when you're completely hooked, period. The ending is rather questionable, comma, and extremely short after the climax, comma, but still delivers, period. The characters have a lot of depth, comma, especially Walter and Killian, period. Oh my god, this this is a very worthy watch, and I think you should go see it in theaters now, or you know, just watch it. God. He was so this guy's a brony. Uh, just by Three reading out that. Three out of four had, people found that helpful. He's he's a brony. He, Can we look at other things he's reviewed? Is that a thing feature that's available po- to me? Possibly. Uh, maybe click on his name. Oh my god! Yes, we can. Yeah. Oh, let's look at... This man has written four reviews. Do you want to guess the movies? Uh, Spies in Disguise. I could not even possibly. All right, so we have Spies in Disguise. I'm looking at him so I know. Frozen 2, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, and How to Train Your Dragon. I will read to you the headlines. Spies in Disguise, just as I expected. Amazing. Frozen 2, Better than the first. How to Train Your Dragon, Hinder World. Masterpiece. How to Train Your Dragon. Shockingly fantastic. He's a 10-year-old kid. He's gotta be. He's, yeah, he said, yes, I am just an 10-year-old kid writing a review on one of the greatest films out there. What, which one was <laughs> that? That kid will go far. I feel like that kid's gonna do fine. He'll grow <laughs> up, he'll put his head on his shoulders, no, no, and Jake. he'll like... This person is 20 now. Because he was 10 in 2010. Uh, it's 2020, baby. No, I I think... I think oh, oh I wait, it was submitted October yeah, 19, October right? October yeah. 2019. Okay, so he's I was with you there, but... Yeah, no. Like, well, that's what I was wondering. I'm like, why is he writing a review? Like, is there just a nine-year gap of him frequently IMDb and Just not and going to reviews? movies ever, yeah. But... 
No, he lost he... his password and it took him that long to get it back. He just went back and reviewed here, a nine-year-old movie. Here are his uh, most recent ratings. The Great Mouse Detective, eight stars. The Greatest Game Ever Played, nine stars. Iron Will, eight stars. The Lion King, eight stars. Brave, three stars. Ooh, Brave. What was wrong with Brave, so, man? Shit. Calibrate your taste. You didn't write a review. Wait, hold on. See all 110 ratings? Did he rate 110 movies? Apparently he did. Most of them? Go play Fortnite. <laughs> positive. He did not like Frozen Forever. I want to see if he watched any um, uh, like rated R movies. He like. rated Dr. Seuss's The Grinch from 2018 higher than Elf. I'm just going to let that sink really? in there. What is uh, he gave Home Alone a 9-star rating. Oh, Jake, Amphibia is the, uh, it's, it's a, another one of these, um, sort of middle teen animated shows. Okay. Like, uh, the, sort of the Steven yeah. Universe, Gravity Falls sort of headspace. Okay, a lot of Disney properties, uh, a yeah. lot of, he, lot of he stuff. rated Titanic 9 out of 10. I don't believe for a second that this person has ever watched Titanic. I, I don't There's know. a lot of All Ninjago. Right. Enigma. He he rates individual episodes of Ninjago. He is a, a fan of Ninjago, it would seem. I, I stand corrected when I called him a brony. Um You have to be like older to be a brony, I Yeah, think. you have to be you have to be above He's ten least, years old. He would just be he would just be a fan of my little pony. Yeah. Um as a member of its target audience. Um Knives Out in seventh. If we took a deep dive into the reviews of Spies in Disguise and reviewed a reviewer, that was an interesting spin. <laughs> uh, 8.9 million for Knives Out. I like. I saw that movie. I thought it was really good. I That's free for free for Ryan Johnson and movies he's made that I enjoy. Um, oh, that I've seen of his that I enjoyed. So... That's good. I thought it was actually an extremely well done movie. I figured it out. I figured like two thirds of of it out before we got to the final reveal. I had uh, motive and opportunity, but I did not get the means. So uh, I was a little bit, but it, like I, I won't spoil anything. But like the means is kind of like you know like a tricky thing because it, you gotta watch the movie to understand. They had you had to be. They were super clever when they did it. They were just so clever. It was, it was a pretty clever movie, I'd say. Uncut Gems uh, falls from 7th back down to 8th. Uh, how much money did that movie make? It, well, it made $7 million, uh, this past... Er, sorry, almost $9 million this past week. Oh, no, that was Knives Out, rather. Yeah, seven and a half for Uncut Gems. It's made $40 million, all domestic. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty fucking good. I wonder what the budget was. It's not listed on IMDb, so I'm going to go to Google. Uncut Gems uh, does not give me a budget. Huh. I can't imagine it was too expensive. No. Maybe maybe hiring some of the talent. Because didn't, didn't he have some pro uh, players in yeah, there? Kevin Garnett was in there, but he's been retired oh, for a long it. time. Okay. Sorry. Uh, they had The Weeknd was in the movie. Um... Yeah, but Adam okay. Sandler and, and them folk were the only like big names. Um, Uncut Gems Bombshell stays in ninth. That movie has uh, bombed with uh, 
Only $28 million uh, worldwide. But actually, I don't know how much money that cost to make, so it might not be bombing. It might I don't just know, they had merely some pretty, be... Like, uh, uh, high up their actresses. $32 million. So it is still currently losing money. <clears throat> yeah, and with... Uh... This last one of getting what four million? I can't yeah. imagine it's gonna. It'll probably make it up in home video sales. Um, this is yeah, this is definitely one of those uh, movies I could see where like people are just like waiting for it to come out on like to rent or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they're gonna see it in Redbox and be like, oh yeah, I vaguely remember that oh, movie yeah. being a thing and rent it. Um, I remember when Trump was president. <laughs> uh, Cats falls from eighth to tenth. And uh, we'll we'll check in on it here. Uh, Fifty-five million dollars worldwide, off of a ninety-five million dollar production budget. That bombs so fucking hard. Oh my god! Apparently, the actors uh, and actresses had to go to cat school to learn how to be cats, uh, mm-hmm. and they had to be jellical cats. Uh, so not normal cats, jellical cats. Uh, so they had to learn how to greet each other like cats would, which involved like just putting their nose into somebody else's face. So I can't imagine the, some people were too happy with that. But uh, yeah. apparently, Ian McKellen loved it. I'm sure he did. You he loved me? He looked falling like he into the role of a cat. Time of his life. Because he's fucking 90 years old and is knighted and has a million Oscars to his name. He was fucking Gandalf. He doesn't care anymore. He's like, fuck yeah, I'll be a cat. You want me to be the old homeless cat? I wonder if he, like, it's probably, I don't know if he's friends with Andrew Lloyd Webber or is like, maybe enjoys, just enjoys musical theater in general. I don't know if he's into any of that shit. He he loves music. He loves musicals and plays. He's been, yeah, he's been a. Shakespearean actor for years before he got into film. So maybe they just went to him on that sort of angle where they're like, "We'd like you to be in a production of Cats." He's like, "Ah, oh, it's not, it's not my favorite. It's not an but English I accent at all." I do love the theater. Yeah, and then he sees it and he's like, "And you, no, they got him because you like theater and you have experience with special effects, heavy special effects movies, and costumes." Right, yeah. and he gets there. He's like, "Oh, it's green screens." Okay, yeah, I hate this. I've expressed my. I've, he, he played, <laughs> you know, expressly stated that I hate green screens because I get lost in and it. And funnily enough, but his I, character was Gus the theater cat, so his love of theater naturally led him to mm. the role. So I imagine, but I imagine like he he was regularly miffed, like a normal amount of upset at having to work and do a heavy green screen movie again. But he's like, I'll do it because, you know, maybe Andrew Lloyd Webber's a friend or maybe I like the, th- the theater or something. And then he sees the movie. Like, I imagine that he did not even see the fucking final cut till it was in theaters. I don't think he even saw the final cut when it was in theaters. <laughs> I think he just went back <laughs> home like, to Britain. He's like, I'm going to go raise money for LGBTQ rights. Yeah, I'm just like, he just hears the news. He just hears the echoes across the water. It's like, oh, oh, that movie bombed. Oof. All right. Next how up. Do, how do they get you know. Dane Judy Jen, 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 Dame <laughs> Dench? That bitch. Well, they got her name right. They got right her name first. right. That was, that, it's like a Rumpelstiltskin sort of thing. If you can say her name correctly, she'll Is be in your movie. Dane or Dame? Dame. Dame. Dame she's a Dame. Judy Dench. 
it took me a long time to figure out that that was a title because I had never heard, you know, like that used as a title. I like in the fifties, like, oh, what a dame she is. Hey, yeah, what as a I take a, a bop off of my uh, fucking bottle of bourbon I keep in my desk and smoking my cigarette because I'm a noir detective. <laughs> um, yeah, she. PS5, Xbox Series X won't offer huge graphical leap this gen. That's according to a. Hardware Insider for both the PS5 and Xbox Series X. Um, speaking with GameBolt Gearmo of Games, Victor Pedrono doesn't believe the new consoles will do much to improve the games the studio makes. So, yes, that whole promise of 4K and 120 hertz uh, was a lie, much like this current generation's console's promise of 1080p 60 frames per second was a lie because you can't fit that much hardware in there. And, you know, sell it for a reasonable margin. Who would have thought? Um, Maybe the new Xbox PC that they come out with. It looks like a fucking tower. Well, that's Xbox Series X. Yeah, whatever it is. I don't care. Pokemon Home. Well, there was a big Pokemon-themed Nintendo Direct where they announced the two new expansions for... Sword and Shield, they're taking EA's business model and adding back in the Pokemon. <laughs> uh, and and DLC. also Mystery Dungeon. Don't forget. Everybody forgets about Mystery Dungeon, but I played the demo last yeah. night. I did it. How was it? It was fine. I mean, I, I, I remember I played the original Mystery Dungeon. It reminded me a lot of that. Uh, there is a mode I don't really like on it. You can like press the L button and um, it'll play for you. It'll just walk through the dungeon. It won't attack. It, at the first enemy, it'll stop, but it'll explore the dungeon for you if you just press L. And it's supposed to be like just to get past walking down these long corridors, but I don't know. Oh, yeah. There's a. Have you played the original uh, Mr. Yeah, dungeon? Yeah. Did they, did they have that on there, too? They had a speed up button, which was just it skipped turns or it went through turns and. Like at a turbo rate, so like at a frame. Oh yeah, know, okay. One turn per frame. So if you're holding a button and you press the the speed up button, you would just zip down hallways yes, in that yeah, direction. Yeah, there, there is a, a sprint or a dash or whatever they call it, but there's one where you can literally press L, and it will go through uh, corridors and it'll go through um, uh, like sections of the dungeon that isn't a corridor. Pick up items. But at the first sign of an enemy, it'll stop it so you can battle it. So it's like, I, I don't want to use this because I want to actually play the game. I don't want the game to play it for me. Uh, so that was a little weird. I just didn't use it. Yeah. Um, and knowing me, I would press that and it would walk my characters right into a fucking monster yeah. house. Yeah, that's a thing. And then I'd die. Because you can see oh. all the enemies on the map. Like, And I don't want to you know, run into three. Oh, wait. They have, do they have full map view? That's... That was a thing that you. That was a post-game power-up that you had to get in the originals. The fucking X-ray. So specs. you you see you just see the enemies and where they're walking. You don't see the corridors and like areas, the dungeon areas. Uh, you have to explore right. that and then open it up. But you see items and you see enemies. And that's just default. That's yeah. crazy. Cause, like. I don't know. I, I don't know if I like that or not, because I really like the X-ray specs when I played Mystery Dungeon. It's one of my favorite power-ups is, like, you have that ability to yeah. see them. Yeah. So that's why I don't almost don't like it, because it's such a powerful tool. Yeah. To have it as default is almost, 
broken. It, well, it's got people it's got said that about experience style. share. So, yeah, it's got the animation style. Uh, it's a little like homey and traditional, but it, I don't know it. It doesn't feel like it's a Switch game. Well, I can, Peter, uh, to your point about having it as a default might feel powerful. It depends on how they balance the game. If they balance the game around people having knowledge of the map, then it's not. Yeah, it's not that powerful. But the original ones were designed around people not having knowledge of the map, so having that knowledge would be beneficial. Yeah, it depends on how how um, powerful the enemies get later on. I mean, this demo is not going to throw. Does it too run well on the Switch? At least, like, there's yeah, no it, okay. It, especially how fast it is, because it's a fast game. Like, you're when you're zipping down hallways, and even during combat, you're zipping and doing like a lot in the, in the combat. Um, well, I've had I've had weird issues like um, really just Slay the Spire does not run particularly well on the Switch, which is surprising because it doesn't strike me as a game that would be very demanding. Yeah. Uh, but like when you load a, the the floor map again, sometimes it'll hang up a little bit after a battle. Um, so just curious about that. But uh, the big news here was the uh, expansions. They showed off some new Pokemon. Uh, there's going to be new story based context. One's a uh, more like Asian themed area. Uh, the other is an Arctic-themed area. They showed off Gaylor Slowblow and some various Pokemon they're adding back into the game. One of the ones I uh, noticed most was Garchomp. Uh, the Regis also were shown off. Uh, more, and more Gigantamax forms as well. More so. Gigantamax forms for all the starters. All the, um, yeah, all the starters are getting one. Um, uh, Venusaur and um, Blastoise are also getting one uh, to balance with Charizard. So, yeah, there's... Uh, a lot of content they're adding, and I'm not sure if these were Galar forums or Gigantamax forums, but they showed off alternate versions of all the legendary birds. The coloring suggests Gigantamax, but yeah, but they didn't have the possible. clouds. Yeah, I said that too, but somebody said they didn't have the clouds, so I would assume that they would have had the clouds in there unless it's not finished, or they want to keep that a secret. I, I have no clue. It. It would seem weird that they would have a Galar version of a legendary. Yeah, they've never done region uh, never versions done of legendaries, but there is a first time for everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I think they look pretty cool. Moltres uh, and Articuno, in particular, I think look really nice. Zapdos looks largely the same; he just turns into an ostrich. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I, I mean I said for a while going into this that I'm pretty sure they were going to add these cut Pokemon back in eventually. And uh, it appears as though they're doing that through DLC. Like, you can get the Pokemon if you don't have the DLC. So if you have, like, a Garchomp from X and Y or uh, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon on your Pokemon bank, you can transfer that to the Pokemon Home coming out February and then transfer that into your game once they release these uh, updates. But if you want to catch them and experience the new story content, you need to purchase the uh, DLCs. They'll, I'm assuming, be priced at fifteen a piece. Uh, but you can already download the uh, pass it, for thirty. So it's for both. Yeah. What I what I thought it was, it was you buy the pass for thirty, and then when June comes around, you get the, uh, the what is it? The um, I forgot what they call it. Armor. The armor armor one armor DLC and then you get the crown tundra in autumn 2020. I, I don't know if you can buy them separately. That's the thing. Well, I'm assuming you can because this seems like a season pass sort of deal. What they call it a pass, 
on the thing. When so I, I when I went to go buy it on the uh, eShop, it was because you can. I think you can buy it now. Well, yeah, uh, like you can was, buy. Like I bought the season pass for Borderlands the, Three. There was before, just the option for thirty dollars. Well, yeah, but like what I'm saying here is that I went and like recently bought the season pass for Borderlands Three before the first DLC came out. But once that DLC came out, I could just buy the Handsome Jack, uh, Handsome Jackpot DLC. So I'm assuming they're going to follow a similar business model to every game ever. And when the DLC releases, you'll be able to buy the individual DLC, which you can buy the season pass before the DLC. Well, let's, uh, I'll look it up. Um, so yeah, that, that's coming down the pipeline. Pokemon Home will launch, uh, February 2020. Um, and I'm sure there will be, there's a transfer, the way to transfer your Pokemon bank to Pokemon home. Uh, there's a, I don't know when, uh, so there's a, uh, mystery gift code that will be active until February 27th, uh, in Pokemon Sword and Shields. It'll give, uh, 10 premier balls. So if you want 10 premier balls for whatever reason, there is a, uh, Oh, it's a somewhat rare Pokeball that is a commemorative item to use to celebrate event. So, if you want your 10 Premier Balls, uh, you can type in all caps, AREAS1 L-V-E-S-T-R-E. That is, that is your code for 10 Premier Balls. Um, active until the end of February. Build-A-Bear is adding three Pokemon evolutions this year to their Pokemon-themed lineup which uh, currently includes uh, a giant Snorlax, which I considered buying, but is $80, which is a little mm-hmm. rich for my blood. But uh, people love Eeveelutions. Like, they're consistently tops among people's favorite Pokemon, so I think these are going to sell like hotcakes. Um, so they have yep. currently Pikachu, Snorlax, Bulbasaur, Charmander, Squirtle, um, and available now but they will be adding in the gen 1 evolutions so jolteon vaporeon and flareon will be added to the build a bear pokemon lineup so if those are your favorite pokemans you can get yourself a nice stuffed uh flareon and uh stuffed uh jolteon or other things yeah um resident evil 3 remake will use the uh, same improved AI design that they used with a uh, Mr. X in the Resident Evil 2 remake for the improved Nemesis AI. So that's exciting. I, from, I haven't played much of the Resident Evil 2 remake, but I've seen quite a bit of it, and Mr. X is consistently very creepy and very intelligent, very difficult to uh, get around. So I think Nemesis, like the game, the first Resident Evil game I can remember with a central antagonist, to build the plot around uh having that uh available to it will i think greatly enhance the gameplay experience although they are cutting the popular mercenary mode from the original resident evil 3 that will not be in the remake oh man so that's unfortunate if that's your jam but uh it looks promising capcom doesn't make new games anymore they make their old games better so They'll continue. Can't wait for the RE4 remake. That's going to be like something that everyone's like, you know, fucking creaming their jeans over, like uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake they're currently creaming their jeans over. 
um, there's a rumor going around that Sony might skip E3 yet again. Um, so that Sony just don't they care. Skip no last year. Um, don't they have their own like press conference? Yeah, they do. They have like a, a PlayStation uh, specific conference. Uh, but last year was the first time in 24 years they hadn't attended the event. And according to analyst Michael Patcher, who is now famous for his controversial controversial gaming suggestions, said that he probably doesn't expect them. He also said that console gaming probably wouldn't be around in 2020. So his uh, word is not exactly <clears throat> Bond. Not quite the prophecy yes. there. Continuing rumors. This is all coming out of CES. There's a lot of speculation because the first big show before E3... Um, which had some exciting products, but uh, rumors come out. The rumor come out. The does rumor. Xbox Series X will support Steam and Epic Game Store? <laughs> Wait, say Steam and Epic Game Store. Okay, I thought you said something else there for a second. Steam and Ep- Epic Game Store? Steam and, it's the Steam yes. And, uh... If that's not like a porn distribution website, then I don't know what life is anymore. <laughs> Um, we all know that the Xbox Series X looks a lot like a PC, but there is some rumors floating around that it might actually be more like a PC than we expected, um, which would include supporting both the Epic Game Store and Steam storefronts in addition to Microsoft's own storefront. I would expect that that's not going to happen because Microsoft makes its money off of the software sales on it. So unless they like cut a deal with uh, Steam or Epic where they're going to get a cut, which I don't know how. I mean, obviously, there's the motivation for Steam and Epic to do so because um, if you buy from their storefront, if you have a large library of games that are compatible with the Xbox Series X on one of those platforms and are more inclined to buy one of those pl- on the platforms if you bought an Xbox Series X. But if you had a PC, why would you buy an Xbox Series X? You know, it's 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 a it's a rumor that yeah. You know, the more you look at it, you're like, yeah, maybe, but probably not. Yes, but also no. Yes, but actually no. Um, <laughs> and finally, uh, the rumors for the Xbox Series X wrap up with uh, Xbox Series X won't have any exclusive games for its first year. Ooh. Which is a uh, bold strategy, Cotton. Yikes. Uh, we that's saw how well that's good. worked with um, the Xbox One with its lack of exclusive games leading it to sell very poorly. Um, it had exclusives at launch, but like to outright say, yeah, we're not going to have any exclusive games in our first year, I, that's oh, hey, not a way to drive console sales. I Here's what I think maybe might happen. Um so Microsoft and like Windows are trying to like port everything over to the PC. Maybe that's why they're not exclusive. I mean, that's yeah, what they, mean. they do like all their first party stuff does come out on PC. Maybe so, that's what they mean by so yeah. it's not exclusive to the Xbox because you can technically play it on the PC. Um, however, why not just get a PC console? Ex- yeah, like console exclusivity yeah. is like the major thing that sells consoles, but like. Microsoft's kind of shooting themselves in the foot with like being able to port everything over to the PC. Yeah, I, I thought this was an interesting strategy when they first started doing that. Like when 
The first one I remember is Killer Instinct was a game I wanted to play for a while, like the the newer remake that came out as an Xbox One exclusive. And I didn't have an Xbox One for a while. I didn't get one until 2017. And I bought it mostly for the Blu-ray player. Uh, but Killer Instinct came out in like 2016 on the PC. So I was like, huh. Ooh, games. games. For the Xbox I can play on the PC. Mm-hmm. Why would I buy an Xbox? Yeah. My PC is better than an Xbox. They can run the game better. Um, but speaking of PCs and their platform superiority, but taking a note from consoles in a good way, Alienware has revealed the UFO, which is a Switch-like handheld PC. Um, I think this is the coolest thing that came out of CES. I'm actually really excited about it. I don't know what kind of pricing it's going to look like, but um, the... Especially Alienware. Alienware UFO is a handheld PC that bears a striking similarity to the Nintendo Switch. It has two detachable controllers on the left and right, an 8-inch 1200p display in the center. It has the general shape of the Switch, though it will be a bit sharper outlines conventionally found on pre- on their pre-built gaming PCs. The handheld features Windows 10 with mouse and keyboard support via the UFO's USB-C port making it the ultimate gaming-on-the-go PC for those who aren't pleased with titles like Super Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild. Um, I would totally buy something like this. I love the portability of the Switch. It's one of my favorite things about it. I like being able to like watch TV and like pick it up off my dock uh, in my bedroom, take it out to the living room and play like uh, Mario Odyssey or Smash Bros. Or Well, not Smash Bros. because I refuse to play Smash Bros. with anything other than a GameCube controller. Um <laughs> play Mario Odyssey or Breath of the Wild or Sonic Mania or Shovel Knight or something like that uh, while watching like Hulu or something on my living room TV or like a baseball game or something like that. I love that ability. I love the ability to be playing Breath of the Wild, but like, oh, nature's calling. I'll just pick it up and bring it into the bathroom with me. <laughs> Breath of the Wild while answering the call yeah. of the wild. I mean, it, or the it's call of nature. Yeah, it is It is scary similar to like the Switch. I love that, and I love a lot of yeah. games that are on PC that I can't play on the Switch. There are a lot of games that I wish were on the Switch. Like, one of the things I was looking for, on, I was considering buying some more games for my Switch, and I was like, okay, are there any, like, good RPGs that I can, like, sink my teeth into? Skyrim. And, like, they have Skyrim, they have The Witcher 3, but these aren't <laughs> games that I really want to play. Well, I mean, The Witcher 3, uh, notwithstanding, but I want to play that on KOTOR. PC. They don't have KOTOR. No, if you could play KOTOR. But yeah, if I could play KOTOR, that'd be awesome. Like, the the version of KOTOR that was on Android tablets is functional, but it is not a great way to play the game, and the USB or the Bluetooth controller support is wonky at best. Tack and the power juju. But, like, something if with, like with this uh, UFO, <laughs> I could play KOTOR and on the go and wherever I wanted and play, like, all my older Steam games and stuff. Uh, on the go i would totally buy something like this i have no i don't think they announced what the pricing is going to be like on this but it's definitely something i'm going to keep an eye on and keep an eye out for reviews um and i think this will do better than something like a steam machine because it doesn't have to run on a custom version of linux because it runs windows 10 um so i think that's a big leg up for it and uh, I can't find in this article anything about the price, and I haven't heard anything about the price in all the v- videos I've watched on it. So that's something yeah. to keep an eye on because this is definitely a product that could like headline my Christmas wish list 
uh, in the future because <laughs> I I'm really intrigued by this idea. I like the switch a lot, and I think the uh, UFO would be a it's, a perfect complement to it. The um the like the the controller that like detaches. Um, or like you know how you know how the switch came with like that the holder for the Joy Cons and whatever. Yeah. Well, this comes with one too, but it's like just a tiny little square that holds your the two controllers. Yeah, it's not like this big clunky thing that you have to slide them in. It's just it kind of connects the two controllers. I actually like that. I like that yeah. more than what we have. So yeah, like this is something I'm actually quite excited about. Um. And uh, with that, we'll talk about something that I wasn't really excited about having to watch, but uh, it won me over in the beginning, lost me in the middle, and then won me over again in a big way at the end in the third act. And that is Spider-Man: The Animated Series. That is in two weeks. Um, <laughs> that that won me over all the way through. But um, this week we have Peter's pick for '90s win- uh, month, which is. Kazam, the 1996 movie starring Shaquille O'Neal. Peter, why don't you talk about this movie, uh, why you picked it, and uh, you can, uh, you know, kind of direct traffic on this review here. Oh, good. Uh, So we did, we're doing 90s month, and every month we do 90s movies in 90s month. They said, Peter, get yourself a 90s property. And Kurt was already doing a TV show. So I said, I need to do something that's not 50 hours long. So I looked around on the internet for something appropriately 90s. There are plenty of 90s movies we've done that just don't feel 90s right. enough. But I I was looking. I don't know how I stumbled upon it, but I'm like, yeah, Kazam. That sounds about right. So I... I tweeted out to my friends, otherwise known as a text, <laughs> uh, Kazam, at like two in the morning With on a no Monday. With no context around it, Jake and I were talking about something completely unrelated, and I just see Kazam from Peter, and I forgot that that was a movie. And then <laughs> later in the week, it gets to be like Thursday, and I'm like, Peter, what are we watching for the show this week? He's like, Kazam. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I did not clarify. Uh, the theatrical movie Kazam, starring Shaquille of the Nile, <laughs> and uh, yes, and and little boy, and little boy, um, Kazam's um, influences are both uh, launching the short-lived and very unfortunate film career of Shaquille O'Neal, which uh, started with this and ended, I think, the following <laughs> year with Steel. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> he played yeah, yeah, John Henry right. Irons in Steel. <laughs> oh God! Oh my God! And is uh, this was well? Let me let me finish how I watched this movie. This was I watched it this morning. By this morning, I mean at oh, one yeah. in the morning, after a long series of Long Island iced teas. So I was having uh, quite a time. It was it was a real adventure, um, but. This really is reflective of um, Shaq's influence in the 90s, back when he was starting to get on his, his big money grind, which was he had movie series, he had Shaq yeah, video Fu. Games. And he opens up a can um, of Shaq Fu games. in this movie towards the end. He does. I was like, I, he, I was going to make that joke. He had, he, Kazam knows the ancient style of Shaq Fu. 
Um, and now he's known as the Icy Hot Lidocaine Patch Man, <laughs> the Goldbond Cream Man, the General Insurance uh, the Papa Man, John's. and also yeah. Papa John's. He is Papa John. Yeah, he is the new point, yeah. real Papa John. He is the new Papa, Papa John. John. Papa John is buried under forty pizzas <laughs> in thirty, 30 days. days. So. Shaq has had a few movie credits. Uh, his film career started in 1996 with this movie, Kazam. Uh, it then ended for a long time in Steel, where he played John Henry Irons in Steel. Uh, that was in 1997. And he remained off sc- off the movie screen for a long time until he had an appearance as himself in Scary well, Movie 4 and then himself in Lego. I'm um, sorry. Th- you missed his appearance on Static Shock. Well, that's not a movie. He did make a... Oh. But he was on the screen, even if he was animated. Wasn't it also in, like, some of the Scooby-Doo shows? He was on the Lego movie. Uh, and most recently, he was in Uncle Drew. As Big Fella. Big fella. Yes. Oh, he was in What Men Want, too, as himself. Does it count if he plays himself? Of course. Uh, In a way, I just, like... in. The question really is, uh, is Shaquille O'Neal whoring his likeness out oh my God. for money? I forgot screen? about another, it's another role where he played himself, but I forgot about his most notable movie ever, in my life at least, and that is his appearance in Good Burger. Yeah. <laughs> where Keenan and Kel deliver food to him, and they're very happy to meet Shaq, and they're like jumping up and down, and oh man, that movie. I've watched that movie so many times. I regret my life decisions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're just we're we're on a YouTube binge to to look through all the the Shaquille O'Neal uh, his filmography, as it were. Um, yeah, so this movie it was the beginning of all that, as far as I know, as, as far, far as, as I'm, I'm aware, concerned. Um, and this is it's amazing because he's the one selling point of this movie. Otherwise, this is a a middling to subpar, um, what should we call it? Uh, children's fantasy like friend movie. This is in the in the vein of Rem Lazar. This is um, just like kid finds magical friend who comes and teaches him the power of friendship and love. And yes, I remember that WrestleMania. Jake Jake put up a picture of uh, Shaq. No, it, it was WrestleMania. It was WrestleMania 32. It was oh, the well, Andre cause... the Giant Memorial Battle Royale. Oh. And everyone was in the ring. And, Shaq came and then out. we heard music that we had never heard before. And there were basketballs in the ring. And out walked Shaq. Do, 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 do. And it was supposed do, 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 to. He eliminated the Big Show. And it was supposed to set up a match between them at the following year's WrestleMania. And Big Show got into really good shape for it. And Shaq got really fat. And it was like, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> Yeah. Damn it, Shaq. Nice. Um, Shaq. So yeah. So Shaq is a genie in this. He's a genie in a lamp, and, and it falls over onto a a boombox. Yes. Yeah. This show is quite a bit of. This movie is quite a bit of madness, hop. and it takes place in the fucking scummiest, crustiest New York that I've ever seen. I thought this was like gentry. Like, no, it's not New York. It's uh, it's city, it's city, and it's just it's fucking nineties gross out, cause everything's disgusting. It, 
in the beginning of this movie. Like, the first shot of this movie is not of our main character. It's not of the antagonist. It's not of Kazam. It's of a old apartment building that's getting demolished as the as the B-roll goes over the, the, like, the inner city and brick buildings with the most dark, overcast sky ever. I'm like... This is depressing. I have to correct you because Kazam was in that shot. He was in the lamp and it was falling. Uh, but that fact is ignored later in the movie when he's talking to the kid. Oh, God. I just I just got that joke. It's a lamp, not like an oil lamp, but it's like a lamp yeah. lamp. He's a genie in a lamp. Well, no, he, oh, was in, he was in a lamp, the one that fell. I mean, I guess it was a lamp, yeah. Right, but that's like a, an electric plug a light bulb and, into a uh, lamp. And he ignores the fact that he was ever in the lamp uh, because when he's talking about... Right, when, when he, he comes, he out, he of comes the, out of the boombox boom. and he's talking with the kid later about all the places he's been in and he completely skips... He's like, I was in a lamp for X number of years and then I was in a boombox. And I was like, weren't you in a lamp at the beginning of the movie? Yeah. Yeah, come on. And so... Yeah. Now we enter into our main character, Max, because it's always a fucking Max. And he is uh, the type um, of kid that you would march straight down to your local recruiting station if you were its parent and be like, send this boy to military yeah. school. Yep. Um, he's He is just raw, oozing 90s with the fucking, the unkempt mullet hair, uh, the giant fucking vest. The baggy and everything. Big, like, too big for his feet, Reebok sneakers. And the face of Francis Capra. <laughs> um, I, that, that really stuck with me last night when I was, I was really tipsy. I was like, oh no. He's got the squint, and he's got the, he's got the face. <laughs> oh no, he's our main character. It was distressing for me. At that what, point what did in you my think life. about the whole like difference between ethereal and material wishes? Like, oh, we haven't like, even gotten into the lore yet. <laughs> we because he has to get beat up by like the Backstreet Boys, like this like really vicious gang of kids that just like <laughs> yeah. pull him into the bathroom and start like tracing his outline with spray paint for some reason. Because they're gonna kill him and it's gonna be like yeah. a chalk outline. I mean, That's yeah, I but like, uh, and. And Max just fucking, he just caves every time, which, I mean, sure. But, but don't be a wuss. Man, they're, like, trying to run, like a, like, a criminal organization where they're, like, stealing shit and, and fleecing it and stuff like that. It's 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 crazy that this is, like, a kid's movie, and these are the characters that kids are supposed to relate to. Um, yeah. <laughs> eventually... And so he's the class I clown, guess, because he right? makes but one he, face. A shitty home life. He makes one face to his friend in the class, and that establishes that both he and that kid are friends, despite that kid showing up maybe three times in the entire movie, and that he is the class clown. Oh, yes. Um, his mother is single and tries very hard and is, is fucking a lot of men, apparently. Uh, but he... She has, like, a stepdad, and this is the... I, you know... I don't know. He seems like a nice guy. He seems like a very nice guy. He's he taking an interest in Max's life. Fine. He's trying to, you know, help the kid out. But Max is like, you're not my dad. I, Even though I haven't talked to him in 12 years, I, I want to I talk to my dad. have a connection with my father, who I don't yeah, know. That, that was odd. Even though the divorce is still finalizing. Yeah, like that's a, that's a, I mean, um, I guess, like, the way they put it is that he hadn't signed a few things, which... 
so it was never official and it just got caught up in like I, th- I think yeah like, paperwork it, hell it never really got finalized and it was really not relevant until she wanted to marry Travis yeah I can see that as yeah. a child of divorce I'm well aware of these sort of like uh stipulations and proceedings because he was probably like well if I don't if I never sign these papers I'll never have to pay like child support or something like that I sure probably um oh yeah never divorced or never that's how it works I mean if you're legally separated you still have to pay child support maybe it's not legal yet he didn't sign the papers oh there's not a lot about know. Max's dad that's yeah. they legal. They didn't go too deep into the no. They didn't because it's about because it's about the kid who has to deal with their uh, well, this, new stepparent movie, or their someone that their mom is dating. You know that's a classic yeah. kid. And thing fundamentally, this movie is about a genie that comes out of a boombox to grant material wishes. Uh, not an episode of Divorce yes. Court. <laughs> yes. And uh, so he does that. They're in a building, and Max falls three stories down, foreshadowing the end of the film. Uh, in a and he, he lives it because he is indestructible. He has plot armor in this kids' movie. Yep. Uh, Kazam comes out of the boombox, starts talking not in English. Uh, he learns English the first five. Seconds. It's he's like an Apocalypse, where he comes yeah. out of the tomb and he has to he has to learn English first, but he he. Kicks all the kids' asses and he just starts rhyming. He speaks and rhymes. When he, he came out of the boombox, I'm like, oh my god, Diane. He speaks in rhymes. And then he stops speaking yeah. in rhymes. I'm like, oh. And then he does it again and then he stops. When he's, he's doing like, magic, he speaks in rhymes. When he's not, he doesn't. That is what I have, have learned yes. uh, in my watching of Shazam. He's, he's very humble. He's a, like, as far as, as far as media portrayals of genie powers go. His are pretty fucking like average, below average, which I think is more in line what with what an actual genie is. Because actual quick mythology break here for a second. Um, my current understanding of genies is not that they can like bend reality and do crazy shit. They're like, if you say to a genie, "I need a fucking thousand dollars," they go on the street and start like panhandling, or they do odd <laughs> jobs for like construction workers. They do it magically and super poweredly. But they still got to fucking just make the thing happen. They're not going to like, oh, $1,000. I don't know much about genies. No, they they got to uh, get on the grind. So it's more like a, it's more like a nice neighbor who's like really good and at it's shit. Like, is a gin like a, Who a owes genie you a that's like graduated from like genie no, school? No, they, they made, made that, that shit up. up. That is not at all what a gin is. Because genie is the uh, genie is just the white way to say gin. Okay. Because genie is spelled D J I N N I and is the plural of gene. In Islam, the jinn um, are a race of spirit beings that can be good or evil. Jinn or jinn yeah, is the origin of more familiar word genie in English. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But but so apparently just... in this in this canon they're not they're two different things. There's tears. There's, up there's a genie like him who can grant material wishes and you know, but not a material, not a ethereal. And he raps about that in this movie, by the way. Uh, yeah. Shaquille O'Neal raps yeah. several times in this movie. There's a lot of slow rapping going on, and it's so. And 90s. then there's a scene in it. the middle that is simultaneously the best and worst scene. Where he and the kid have a rap battle slash duet. 
as he explains his backstory yeah, to him. And it's just fucking I don't even I I can't decide if it is the best or worst thing I've seen in my life. But it I is, think the best thing was when he turned the French toast into little airplanes and flew them around the kitchen and Max was like, Whoa, and then ate them. I that was at that point where I just took a look around the room and I'm like, all right, it is two one thirty in the morning, and I'm watching Shaquille O'Neal in a in fucking suspenders and in spectacles flying French toast into a white. Funny kid's thing, mouth. And the mom. Funny you shouldn't mention that. The mom that. is so fucking dumb. She, she's like, who the fuck are you? Why are you in my house in the morning? And it's like, I'm your child's assistant. The are you his friend? Oh, well, thank you for considering me that but the school district more commonly refers to me as a tutor it was at this point in the movie that diane turned over to me and said fuck you peter um (laughs) (laughs) and then and then later Um, in the movie by the end of the movie she's like you know what peter i doubted you but you came through (laughs) you know it um my favorite quote from Shaq in this was when there he's he's had his first meeting with the gang the real gang boss like who is Ranjit, the taxi driver like, from How I Met Your Mother, <laughs> who has not <laughs> aged a day in like eighty years? He is. It is Ranjit. Oh my god. He's also he's he also an I, I think Iranian uh, black ops age uh, director in Burn Notice oh. as well. This this movie got like. <laughs> Three times better. <laughs> this movie just got really good. Um, so my favorite thing was he's just sitting there. He's just talking to the kid. He's like, "Yeah, we was just straight chilling. We was in a limo eating goat eyeballs, just chilling, yeah. man." So yeah, yeah Ra- like, Ranjit. Did Shaquille O'Neal just say that to me in my Ranjit, kids' movie? Uh, one of his character traits is that he eats. Uh, to American palate, at least. Bizarre cuisine, very enthusiastically. Uh, and Shaq is down with that, because it's like, oh, I hadn't eaten this in 3,000 years. Yeah, and, It's like 3,000 uh, uh, days. And he speaks to him in... <laughs> <Nice>. uh, <laughs> he speaks to him in uh, some language, and he's like, oh yeah, Sultan's gold. And he's like, oh, you speak! Yeah! They didn't identify the language. He just he just kind of shrieked excitedly. The, the word! The Sultan's tongue! So the, the whole, like, I guess, plot of this movie is that, uh, in addition to the whole genie stuff, is that Max's dad is a uh, dirtbag criminal club owner, and they... He sells... Who is very adamant and, like... Max is kind of blind for not being. I just. I want to hang out with him. He's like, I'm literally fucking interrogating a guy. He's on like he's halfway to the grave right now, and you're trying to be like, I want to play catch with you, Daddy. Get the fuck and he's out! Like, of I'm my, trying to sell black market CDs. Yeah, and like they're running for their lives. Get, get fucking fast. Yeah, they're the running for their lives uh, for the basement uh, towards the climax here, and fucking um, Max goes, "What are those?" And he's like, "They're black market CDs." And then we're like, oh, yes. that's what he does. He does bad things. Um, my favorite <laughs> is that uh, Ranjit sends uh, Asia to uh, seduce Shaq and learn about him. And yep. Asia hates him after the date. And he's like, oh, you have to keep going to get the information out of him. And then by the end of the movie, they're planning to get married. Uh, which and yeah. But she's like, you need to get a job. He's and like, the only thing that changes years. is that she gets angry at him for not helping Max in his time of need. That's the only other how, interaction they have, and then they fall in love. How about, 
based on that. About the end of the movie, he's walking with his mom and his dad, or was it his stepdad? It was, he was walking away with his mad mom, and he turns and to he's like, I could really, Max, I could really go for some chocolate milk or whatever, hot chocolate, for a hot and chocolate. it appears in front of him, and he picks it up and looks at it in amazement, but neither his mom nor his stepdad are just like, hey, Wait, don't wait, hold up. Don't don't eat that. <laughs> you found on the ground, you idiot. Uh, classic stupid classic stupid parents. Um there's the weird tension between Shaq's insistence that he gets that the kid does his wishes, but he's also like, you gotta make him good wishes. Well, after, yeah, like he wishes for something and then he, and then he, and then he gets yeah. tempted. Then he gets tempted and just wants to stay around. Well, yeah, I think that's what happens. The the thing is that, like, in the beginning, he just wants to to make his wishes so he can get fuck off back to his boombox. But he has he hangs around in the mortal realm anymore, and he's got this like rap career budding, and now he doesn't want to go back. So he's like, "Oh, I, your wishes got to be good wishes, man." And he also takes a, a shining to Max, even though they have zero chemistry throughout the whole movie. They become friends. Um, <laughs> And you know he wants. You were to, my only friend in four thousand years, Max. And yeah, so you made junk food right from down the sky, and that was really that was a gross scene. Where I'm just like, of course they had to make the fucking burgers. Yeah, plat. Which is actually is like is actually where the plot of uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs came from. Stole it right from here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about uh, the end of this movie, like the the climax, as it were. Oh yeah. Oh so, yeah. Because uh, I, I knew it was good. We all knew it was going to be a friendship saves the day sort of thing. But oh boy, Obviously. does it take several turns. So they so, all gather together ah! with the boombox. Ranjit's got his his, his boombox. And he's, he's threatening the life of the kid to um, get Kazam to be. So that Shaq, the kid must make his wish so Shaq can be free of that kid's ownership and the bare bond for his yeah. fucking ethereal soul can be transferred. <laughs> To uh, Taranji to I I don't know yeah he's like I want all the money in the world and the and Max the is like, like trying to outwit him he's like well if you had all the money in the world then no one would have any money it'd be useless and he's like then I'd give some, like, of I'll back. some of it back is, I don't care <laughs> yeah and uh, so his dad fights his way three and they run around for a while and he's calling for Kazam but Kazam's too busy uh, rapping and shooting a Roman candle out of his boombox to uh, to care about that. <laughs> And uh, so the, the he, Max gets pushed down the stairs, and finally Shaq is like, all right, fine. He disappears in a, a cloud of smoke, and then he has a confrontation with Ranjit and his goons, and he's starting to fade away back into the boombox because his contract to Max is up, I guess. He doesn't save Max, He does. Well, he doesn't. No. He doesn't, like, catch Max at the bottom of the elevator. Max staff. is dead for a good Max five minutes dead. of this movie. Max died, which I, I'm assuming that's what why like Shaq was kind of fading away because Max was dead. So this is like a Back that's to the Future sort of right. situation. But then he sparks yeah. to life. Just through the power of Deus Ex He's Machina, like, he becomes a djinn and opens up a can of Shaq Fu on all the goons, including like one Asian. I don't know if you noticed the one Asian goon who like did a fucking kata and then Shaq just karate chopped him once and and just. No. I couldn't tell because the fucking camera work. Because was no one so in this movie bad. knew how to fight. Like they couldn't afford actors who knew how to stuntmen. What are that? No. Um, <laughs> we don't have that? a stuntman big enough for Shaq, so no. <laughs> he has a very unique body type. Can you imagine them just getting like Kevin Hart 
somebody like a Kevin Hart as a body <laughs> double, and then just in between shots, he goes from a seven foot guy to a four foot guy. It's like that scene in Black <laughs> Dynamite. <laughs> just change out the guy. Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker. Um, but yeah, he opens up the can of Shaq Fu, and then he finds Max at the bottom of the elevator shaft after interrogating Ron Jeet and turning him into a basketball of all things. That was, I rem- yeah, I forgot to mention that. That's the ending of this movie where he turns the dude into a, remember that part where Shaq turned a fucking mob boss into a ball and slam dunked him down a dust chute? So he picks up Max that. and he, he has his, his big emotional speech, which he delivers his lines the same as he delivers every line in this movie. Um, it just starts yes. raining or maybe that's just how he sweats. He sweats up and then it falls back down on his face. Um, and he's like, in 5,000 years, you're the Either only way. friend I ever had. And then he gins him back to life. And then, like, but actually, I have, I have to rewind. When he finds Max at the bottom of the shaft, uh, the opening to a completely different movie happens as his giant hand slowly creeps up onto the small child's face. Yeah. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> grabs him, like, palms that kid's face. I'm like, face. did this become a grudge remake when I wasn't looking? Um. So, yeah, that happens. And then... After he brings him back to life, they have a powwow, and he, like, turns into a fucking cloud of golden dust and sucks Max up into it, and he has, like, this fucking otherworldly experience. It's like the fucking... And Diane showed me this clip of fucking Shark Boy and Lava Girl, where it's like, I'm not angry, I'm free now, as they're in this horrible CGI world. And it was the same thing. He's like, I'm free. (laughs) I'm free. And now I'm a gin. I can do a thurial. I can do a thurial and material. And he, he fucking fades out into non-existence. So we fought. And then Travis, he accepts Travis as his stepdad. And they have the hot chocolate. And he and Asia are going to get married. And he turns around at Max. He's like, job. He mouths job to him. And uh, I love that was a great. That's how the movie Jeff. ends. Um, that was Kazam. Uh, Shazam. Such a good movie. The beginning of Kazam Kazumble. was terrible. The or no, the beginning of Kazam was was quirky no. and fun. The middle was terrible. Good. And the Oops. third act was just fucking. It was poetry in motion. I there's ten no out other ten way to describe it. I think it, it's almost like a lot of kids' movies where the the second act is just like the I'm bored now. Let's fuck off. And the movie's like we it's, get it. You kids are it's gonna the be bored. Break. It's summer camp. Yeah. The giants, the act-long bathroom break. Um, and then so how do you rate that. something like Shazam? I mean, sarcastically, 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> more realistically, I'd say like a 3.8 out of 10. And that 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 falls yeah. a little above expectations for what Rotten Tomatoes uh, has it at. It's uh, yeah, at a 6% tomato meter. What, and the what? audience score with... 40,000 user ratings is at 20%. So. I am nothing if not kind. I mean, how can you not give it to that third act? I mean, just everything that (laughs) happened in that third act was just like washing you over with awe and wonder. Like, I have. Did you like the. I forgot forgot what this one. It's marketing, not movie making. (laughs) The Pepsi. Oh, yeah, the Pepsi. The very obvious Pepsi product placement. And when they were doing the shot of the downtown city, it's fucking McDonald's 
the only fucking establishment you can see in the fucking view. Um, uh, yeah, God. it was. Are you bored yet? Was it a review? <laughs> I mean, fucking. I don't know. I like that. Th- I've not met a movie with such wonder and amazement like I had in that third act for several years. So I think I have to buoy up its score just for that. Like, again, sarcastically, 9 out of 10. Like, objective filmmaking, maybe like a 2 out of 10. So I got to average that out and weight it. So I get come up yeah. with 3.8. Oh, there's how about, and, and there's entertainment it, to be had. It's not completely devoid of entertainment value like a oh, Neil Breen movie. Li- Listen to this quick review. I think I think this is fresh by David Starrett, a Christian Science Monitor. <laughs> what? <laughs> that raises more questions than it answers. <laughs> Rating three out of four. Uh, the plot is hamstrung by trite formulas, and there's too much violence and family tension for young viewers. Shaquille O'Neal is likable as the title character, though. Yeah, I get what he says, but I, I guess from the Christian science monitor <laughs> perspective, you're like, uh, I don't want to show the kid about this stuff about divorce and like and like problems. mafia and like kids forming gangs. Like they that should be all behind closed doors. The kids like legitimately like jumped one of the security guards to steal oh, this yeah. fucking master tape of this performance. It's just fucking. Oh, like yeah, I would want to keep all this. Family violence behind behind doors, like the Christian science. All the Shaquille O'Neal yeah. violence. She'll not bring it to light. This, yeah, this is uh, it's great. <laughs> I like and the movie. This, 10 is, out of 10. this is, I'm, I, I liked it. Is perfect as a '90s movie. If you ever want, just like, I'm just gonna drown myself Distill in the '90s for a night. Or if you ever, uh, screeches yeah. '90s with a blood curdling re. Yes. Yeah. If no, this is all right. Everyone watching at home, this is the one you bring out when it's 90s throwback night at movie night or 90s throwback month, whatever you want to do. Because like, yo, I I like the 90s stuff. Let's go watch something from there. And you're like, we're going to watch Kazam. Kazam. I remember I was like, I texted Diane uh, in the afternoon. I'm like, do you want to do a bad movie tonight? Night? And she's like, tonight? And she's like, of course, always. And I was like, she's like, what are we watching? I'm like, Kazam. And she's like, what? I'm like, you don't remember the movie where Shaquille O'Neal was a genie trapped in a boombox? And she's like, no. I'm like, oh, you sweet young child. What was the, um, there was a, there was also a hoax associated with this before we finish here. I, I just remembered there is a weird Mandela effect sort of hoax uh, associated with this where Sinbad, yeah, Sinbad was was in Kazam. Was in, yeah, it was uh, Shazam, I think. Hmm. Yes, there is. So they conflated the Captain Marvel, um, Shazam, right, with the uh, Shaquille O'Neal Kazam, and the car and the comedian Sinbad. That they thought that Sinbad played a genie in a 1990s <laughs> movie. I think part of the confusion is that Sinbad was in a Touchstone Disney uh, movie around this time as well called um, First Kid, where he came out the same year, and it was Sinbad doing a comedic thing with a kid. So I think that helped add to the conflation. 
but yes, I have seen the Shazam, uh, you know, covers, and uh, I love how they did the breakdown here of how they photoshopped the uh, VHS cover, and it's Chavo Guerrero from like 2008 is yeah. the potty with Sinbad's head photoshopped onto him. <laughs> and you can even see like the clear difference in skin tone between the neck and the uh, chest. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's a really bad Photoshop. Um, but yeah, fucking Kazam. It is, uh, it's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, I think Sinbad actually would have been a better choice. I would watch Shazam, I think before I would watch Kazam again. I we we would have to compare them. We got to get the fucking uh dimensional yeah. capacitor here. We're going to the other universe. We're going to pick up we're going to find there's still Hollywood video there. They never invented um, Netflix. So we'll go to the Hollywood video. We'll grab uh Shazam. We'll bring it back we'll here. We'll watch it. Uh we'll Jake. It. Have yeah. you decided what you're going to pick for next week? Nope. We're going to make it a secret. All right. Right up until Friday night. Let's get up here. <laughs> I'm I'm going to come up with something. Um I've been thinking about I, I've been thinking about a couple things. Just like maybe should I do a bad movie? Should I do a good movie? Um, I'm probably gonna lean something more towards the good movie uh, era. Maybe something that That'll I haven't nice. seen. Um, so we, so I get just a little entertainment. Like I know is good because I think last year what right. I picked up Shawshank, um, Shawshank, and that was a great movie. I've seen that millions of times. So we're gonna be watching uh, but, what The Hunt for Red October. Uh, that or when did Goodfellas come out? Uh, surprisingly, that's either nineteen. That's either nineteen ninety or nineteen eighty nine. Fuck. Um, okay. hold on, I'll, I'll look it up for you. Goodfellas came out in nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety qualifies. Let's do Goodfellas. All right, so Goodfellas next week. Um, stop by the stream tonight. Big changes for the stream. Uh, we didn't talk about it so much. Uh, there's going to be some changes moving forward here. We didn't talk about it uh, so much last year. It was more 2019 year in review. But we've got a big year planned for 2020. We're going to try to make this a breakout year for the show and, and all other sort of things. So we have uh, – gonna, we're going to try to expand the streaming schedule a little bit, try to do like uh, three days a week. Uh, most weeks we'll see. Like obviously there will be weeks where we can't do that. Um, but we're going to try to stream a little bit more. We have uh, some upgrades made to the visual uh, appeal of the stream. Uh, those will debut tonight. Um, I'm going to work harder on uh, other stuff, keeping more interesting content flowing, as well as you know, keeping up our, our high-quality standard that I feel we've established here in the past uh, past little way. So uh, check out that, SaturnStuds.com, the place to go for links to our social media, Twitter, at StudsSaturn, Facebook.com, backslash SaturnStuds podcast, or maybe just SaturnStuds, I can't remember which. Um, Also, we have Mixer and Twitch channels, both SaturnStuds. We also stream on YouTube, Uh, YouTube link. We don't have a custom link yet, so just search SaturnStuds in YouTube and we'll probably come up. Uh, we don't come up first in Google. That stupid fucking earrings page on Etsy still edges us out. Uh, that's that's my goal. I know we'll have made it when we're above that in your Google search results. Um, yeah, so that's coming up stream around 8 tonight. Uh, we're either going to continue the takedown at uh, Bollywood Black Site, try to actually beat Wotan tonight, 
or we're going to uh, do the DLC, or perhaps we will. There's a wild card in there for doing uh, for the king. Trying that out tonight. Uh, we all procured that yep. earlier this morning. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for that. Like eight eight thirty. Uh, keep your eyes peeled on social media. We'll t- it'll, there'll be a tweet that goes out when we go live um, with links to where to watch. So at Stud Saturn is the the uh, place to monitor. Also, Facebook.com gets the post as well. But uh, that's really besides the point. Social media in general, uh, monitor that to know exactly when. But around eight eight thirty typically on Saturdays. Um, so yeah, that's all I've got for right now. Uh, we'll see you all next week for good fellas. Until then, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye.